Wen and I want to express our gratitude for every one of our listeners. Thank you for being a part of this podcast and sharing this space with us each week. We are now offering an opportunity to work with Wen or myself individually in a deeper look towards what's true about life and who you really are. If you'd like to know more, email me or Wen for more details. In a three-day dive under the noise, anything is possible. Let's find out. Now on to the podcast. Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Wynne Morgan. How are you, Wynne? I am well, thanks, Kate. How are you? I'm well as well. Equally wonderful, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, we got an email. We got an email. Listener. Yes, yeah. we did. Not a complaint. Uh, not this time. It was more of a suggestion for topic. Which is our favorite because it saves us having to think of something. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And this email. It started with the email and the kind of topic and where you want to take it. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to the person who wrote that email because they write regularly. And um, I know how much um, you know who you are, um, how much you enjoy this and you keep telling us so. Thanks for that. It does mean a lot when we get emails like that and the suggestions that um, that you send us a thank you. So today's topic is control. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about that. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> we had a quick confessional before Kate pressed record um, about our relationships with, with control. Well... You seem very quick to jump in then, Kate. No, no, no. I was only playing. (laughs) (laughs) I remember somebody saying a few years ago that um, control is the biggest addiction in Western society. I don't know if that's empirically true. I don't know if there's a way of empirically measuring it either, but I do notice a lot when people say, I don't control the controllables and that's the best they've got. And, and then, yeah, but I want to be in control. And and I understand it. And there are times that I can be quite controlling in the way I am. Um, I want to control outcomes. I want to control the future. I want to control myself. I want to control other people. I want to control circumstances so they go my way, as I will think of them. And at the same time, I really know I have no control whatsoever over anything. Never did, never will. So that was the shortest episode so far. <laughs> Done. We can be just, we can just have a great week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pick the bones out of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
No, but I, but I do know that. I have a knowing about that, that I'm not in control. I mean, I'm not in control of what I'm going to say next. I'm not in control of what I'm going to think next. I'm not in control with how I feel. And here's what I love that, that happened at the same time, I think, and gratefully so. That at the same time as I saw that I wasn't in control, I saw it's really good that I'm not. I mean, if I was in control of anything, I'd think I'd mess it up. You know, I'd forget. I'd forget things. I'd, I'd forget to turn protein from the cheese I had earlier on into keratin in my nails and my hair. I'd, I'd forget all kinds of things. I'd forget to um, ask my kidneys to clean my blood. I'd forget all that stuff. I'd forget to, you know, to do the breathing out after breathing in every time at some point I'd forget. Be way too much. And um, I, I remember talking to a few people who have the, a fear of flying. And the reason some of them say that they, they don't like flying is because they're not in control. Well, I'm really glad they're not in control of the plane because they haven't flown a plane in their life. That would be a terrible idea if they were piloting the plane either they were on or I was on. If they were in control, that would be a terrible idea because they wouldn't know how to take off, nor land, nor do the bit in between. Not, not a happy thing. So while I was making my tea and getting ready for our recording a few minutes ago, I was reflecting back on what have I seen about the fact of, well, let's say in, in my mind, the fact I'm not in control. About I'm far more guided than I am leading. I, I'm not in charge. And in the being guided, it's taken so much angst away from me in my life because I'm no longer trying to control what can't be controlled. That's a really hard job. And every time I try to control all that happens is I put there's more on my mind and I'm trying harder intellectually to kind of to make things work out right, whatever that means. And when I realized that there's an unfolding smarter than me, far more intelligent than me. Then I felt more carried and cared for by something deeper than the me that I think is me. So that's what comes to mind first for me. You know, the, um, that beautiful email from the listener about control. When I was reading it, you know, and the listener was asking about uh, control as related to this topic and control as, it, as related to that topic. Mm. And I was thinking in my mind, oh, well, that's interesting. Oh, that, that's kind of interesting too. And, and your response was, there's no control in the story, done. <laughs> it's very simple in that pretty much yeah um and i was like yeah yeah and i got to 
let go of any stories attached to that. And, and that was kind of cool. End of story. And coming from basically, I am spent most of my life being a control freak. And if any of our listeners have listened to any of the podcasts, you know, my closet looks like a color, <laughs> a color coded extravaganza. It's very controlling and um, I like things the way I like them. And I haven't let go of all that yet. So, um, but I had two thoughts about control that showed up for me. I thought of another example of one of my stories around control and it, it looked a lot like controlling how others perceive me. As if that's even, and I'm serious, that actually looked real. Like I could do that. And sometimes it still does. It's like, oh, if I am this or say this or do this or look this way or talk this way, then somehow I can control how I'm seen or thought of. That was a big one for a long time. And, you know, it served me when I was young. I know exactly where that showed up. Because it looked like my safety was around being able to anticipate other people. Mm. That if I'm like this, I can control their bad mood, their how other people are showing up and affecting my life. And it looked like my safety was wrapped up in that. And if I'm being honest, there's a lot that's that's showing up recently to say, hey, you still got some of that going. Did it work? Yeah. Really? Well, okay. No, I don't really have control over it, but if I can make myself small enough, quiet enough, I won't get noticed. I won't be the object of their bad mood, mm. of their needing to punish. I mean, this stuff starts early and I learned to kind of anticipate that stuff mm. and get really quiet and small and agreeable to prevent being the object, being noticed. And you asked if it worked. Honestly, it helps to have a brother and sister, honestly, that are really loud <laughs> and have no problem messing up and, um, and having a hard time in a very visual, loud way. God love them. And they know this. That, if anything, you know, that really probably helped me more than me being small and quiet. So you did have the three they were like they were like my invisibility cloak. Oh right. Because <laughs> they were like didn't join in, did they? In the race to the quietest smallest. <laughs> the person who could hide the best game. Uh yeah. I I learned early on how to play quiet and small. Mm -hmm. So 
And to a certain extent, I really thought that had to do with someone else. Mm. Not my discomfort. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's huge, isn't it? I I did not see that for a very long, and that's pretty recent. Yeah. Because it, you know, I still get, you know, no matter how much I've seen, I still find myself thinking that, how I'm feeling or experiencing things has something to do with somebody else. That still looks pretty real sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the other, the other thing that showed up for me are the gifts when something happens in my life where I get to remember that I don't have any control. They don't, I don't know if they necessarily feel like a gift in the moment. But they're gifts, one hundred percent. Do you have an example you can share on that? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot, but my father is not doing well physically, mentally, and it happened. I don't think anybody really expected it. You know, he was um, always such a force a huge force of a personality, of perseverance. I mean, I could tell you a hundred things that could have just knocked him down, honestly, in life. And he always found a way to just get back up and figure it out. And um, I'll give you an example of that. At one point when he was in graduate school, this was when I was younger, He was putting himself through school. He had already been a Presbyterian minister for like 20 years and decided to go back to school. And so part of that, uh, to make money, he would go and play the piano in restaurants, in malls, in pubs, wherever he could earn money. And on one of his drives come from one of his gigs he got a flat tire and while he was changing the tire on the side of the highway he sliced his finger right down to the bone and couldn't use it any while he was playing so he has to go to the hospital he gets stitches gets this whole thing put on but he's gotta make money so he goes and teaches himself how to play the piano without finger (laughs) until he can get his little thing off and it's healed so he has taught himself all of these songs that he's playing without the finger how to accommodate really complicated music sometimes with nine fingers like he just is a force and then he had a uh, you know he's beat cancer like i mean amazing personality Mm doesn't even talk about cancer, never has. He wrote two books while he was getting treatment. (laughs) He's just that guy, right? But uh, in the last few years, he had a surgery and whatever happened, it just changed everything. And there's no control over stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There's no anticipating life in that way. When we pass how we pass. And I feel like 
that reminder as I get to experience this kind of new version of him, completely different, is a gift and a reminder that we don't have control. And thank God, you know? Yeah. Because now I do get to see a different version of my dad. That's very loving and gentle and vulnerable and childlike. And I never would have, <laughs> never could have anticipated that. It's really beautiful in some way. And I'm glad I can't control that. Don't want to. Yeah, a good example. Not that springs to mind, but the question that's popped up a few times in listening mm. to you was, what would life be like if we were in control? Mm. And it, it would suck. <laughs> it would be like the most boring thing ever. I think you're right. Boring is a good way to... It would be yeah. like we're constantly protecting ourselves and staying safe every minute it wouldn't I be think. a life yeah it would be we would work in the same way as an excel spreadsheet mm. with you know a definite kind of logical always two plus two equals four what the heck kind of a life would that be that would be beyond bland and it wouldn't have life in it I don't want to be a freaking computer. I don't want to be a robot. Because I think that's what control ultimately needs to, is that kind of life. And I'd not thought of that until now. I'd not thought that the implication of being in control is boredom and robotic. There'd be no mystery. There'd be no surprise. There'd be no... Well, there wouldn't be presence and the present moment would have zero life in it. It would have, I don't know, the feeling of aliveness to me is the reason for being alive. And control kills it all. I'd not thought that till now. I'd not seen it that way till now. Because, you know, what, what, what I do know and what I did know before we started talking today was every time I try to control, it puts more mental load into my mind. So I'm doing more thinking, which is <laughs> not a smart idea. <laughs> Having more of a mental load is just not good for anything. Really not good for anything. But I hadn't also seen that the implication was it's not life if it's controlled or controllable. I don't know what it is, but it ain't life. The other thing as well, as I remember, one thing I noticed that helped me lose the, the compulsion to control was me realizing that my circumstances do not determine how I feel moment by moment. Because if it was true... Mm -hmm that feeling comes from things outside of me, then it might make a bit of sense. I want to control that stuff in order to feel, but that's not how feelings work. That's not how emotions work. That's not how we work as human beings. I feel what I 
you know, my relationship to what I think right now is really what's going on. And if that's really true, then that's another reason for control not being such a good notion. So A, I would suck at it. <laughs> B, it puts more mental load in there. D, it isn't life anymore. And I've forgotten where I got to in the alphabet, so. Because <laughs> I ain't in control of my memory. <laughs> okay, so a question shout out for me around that one. Cool, all right. Thanks for saving me out of that conundrum. What would you say to someone who tells you, I have control over what I'm saying and I have control over what I'm doing? Maybe I don't have control over other people or life circumstances. Which I love that example, by the way, because it completely takes the rug out from under this idea of controlling our circumstances. I love that. But what would you say to somebody who who says, I can control what I say and what I do? Well, I'd probably ask for examples. I'd want to get curious with them. Mm -hmm. Now, knowing me, I'd want to argue, but it's not the smartest thing to do. <laughs> really not the smartest thing to do. So I would genuinely be curious about what they meant and how that shows up. Um, a dear friend of mine, John, he used this in um, with quite a few of his clients and a couple of the retreats that we've run together over the years. And he would say, well, when did you decide what time to go to the bathroom? Well, I didn't. Okay. Well, how does that get decided? And he would go into the whole kind of like bodily function bit about, you know, when did you decide to listen to your bladder? <laughs> it was time to stand up and go to the bathroom to save a puddle forming. Right. He would go into that with people in groups. And of course, everyone's laughing, thankfully, not laughing until they do make a puddle. But the point was kind of like being made about how many things are going on that we have absolutely zero awareness of. And if we have no awareness of them, clearly, then control isn't in. Clearly, clearly control can't happen if we're not even aware. The billions of chemical things, because I can't remember the exact word, chemical, um, I can't remember now, I haven't done chemistry since I was 16, which is a long, long time ago. Things that are happening in my body now that are chemical, right? So the oxidation of my, of the air that I've just breathed in, that then gets transferred into the red blood cells that go around my body that go, um, and then, you know, from, from my heart, lungs, heart, and then heart pumps them around the body to, to distribute the oxygen that I just breathed in. Like what? I didn't control that. I don't control that. That's far more miraculous than other stuff I do, such as stuff I might say or turning the volume down on the TV. Or maybe it's actually of the same thing. It's of the same kind of incredible energy in form that I'm not controlling the energy in form. I'm not God. I'm not even God of myself. 
So to answer your question, which I think was a great question, I have a wonderful chat, I hope, mm. with just seeing what we both make of how we work and how life works and how much say we have in things. And what's interesting as well is I was having some time with a client last week, a couple of days, and uh, their kids are pretty much grown up now, about to become the empty nester as they the second one's about to go to college. It's, it's funny when, because as soon as they became 12, 13, and became you know, proper teenagers, and apparently one of them was a teenager from about the age of seven, from what I can gather, I couldn't control them anymore. <laughs> I went, okay, I don't have kids, but I know them. When were you in control of your children? And they said, yeah, I never was. But they just listened better when they were younger. <laughs> but I never had control. There's a heck of a difference between those two. What else is coming up for you, if anything? I wonder if control is like the story that we have around whatever's happening in life, even if it's what we're saying and doing. But it's like the story we put on it. We've kind of created around this idea of control. You know, I think you and I have talked about it before, but I read this book about um, the left hemisphere of the brain, right? Mm -hmm. And how it will, in fractions of a second, come up with a story to explain why we're saying or doing something. Like that's part of its job is this is why I'm moving. This is why I'm saying this. This is why I'm laughing. Like, and, and it happens so quickly that we don't question it. You know, it becomes this believable experience of life. And this is why. And this is our story of why. And I really loved learning about that because, you know, without our story of why something's happening or why we're saying something or doing something, Right now, to me, it feels like whatever thought is showing up that looks real to me, which I can't control, is the reason why I'm saying or doing anything. Mm. So if it makes sense for me to, to do this instead of that or to say this instead of that, it's whatever's showing up that looks real in the moment. I think that's how things work, how we work. At least that's the way it looks to me. And then anything on top of that is the story that we've made up of why. So, you know, one way I might interpret what you've said in Wynn's words would be, it's so quick, that left hemisphere and, and in our brain, and I don't know, that it would post-rationalize everything, but it's so quick, it doesn't look like it's post-rationalized. Exactly right. It looks like it's real time. Yeah. You know, the other thing as well in that, in that second or two when we were both quiet, it reminded me again of that whole notion of why we want to control. In order for us to be okay. Mm -hmm. And 
controlling kids in order that they would turn out okay. And to the point that you made earlier on about we don't know how things are going to play out and we're okay regardless. There's still okayness in all the mess and the hurt of life. Okayness is underneath all of that, under the noise of everything that we make up about how things need to be, should have been in the past and need to play out in the future. There's still okayness underneath all of that. That's a wonderful, you know, for me to, to remember when I'm in the grip of trying to control something, control an outcome, control someone else, control what they think of me and how I should feel right now is just a nice reminder. For with, if I were in control, life wouldn't be life anymore. I love that. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you. It's been a, another lovely exploration with you. And we don't have a script for any of these. And for those of you who listen, Clearly. that's not a surprise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's another example of how, yeah, ain't in control and have no intention of being so having a meandering conversation with you is always a joy kick. Thank you. And yeah. thanks to you at home for listening to, or wherever you are listening right now to this. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, man. You've been listening to this week's episode of Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan and... Um, my once again phenomenal co-host, Kate, Kate Robertson. Now I've said that this time at the end of an episode as opposed to the beginning, so the pressure's no longer there. It's good to know that being phenomenal is just the default, Kate. Don't have to do anything about it. No control. Thanks for listening. And um, if there's anything that you want us to, to talk about in the future, or if you want to come on as a guest, then please let us know. Or any questions or comments about what you've heard today, then let us know on our contact details are on the outro and uh, wherever you found this podcast today. I will speak to you again very soon. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and Kate at kateroberts.coaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.